Good morning. My name is Jeremy uh, Lindsay. I'm the pastor here at Connection Millen, and um, I just uh, want to. I wasn't gonna share this, but God keeps prompting me, and um, and so um, I'm all about those of you that know me or don't know me. Um, I'm I'm all about being real. I I don't I don't believe in being fake. Uh, I'm kind of always being what you see is what you get. Uh, that's why I preach in jeans and boots, because ain't no need for me to change who I am for y'all. Amen? Amen. Uh, and, and so um, the, this morning I was coming in, and as I was coming in to, say, to Millen, um, I was driving across river bridges, and I just got this heaviness on me. And, and the closer I got, the, harder, the, the, more, the more heavy it got, and, and couldn't figure it out. And so... Uh, Usually when that heaviness comes, anxiety follows. Um, maybe y'all, somebody else can relate to that. And, and it, it just kept intensifying. I get here, get to working, trying to get my mind off of it. it gets, I pray I know what to do in those times. So I sit down, I start praying. The heaviness leaves for a season, and then it starts coming back. We get back there before service. Um, Rick and Mr. Nick and Ms. Joyce lay hands on me. We pray. Um, heaviness leaves. And I come back in here. And it shows back up. And I'm praying while we're worshiping, God, what is this? What is this? And, you know, here's the thing. All of us got junk we deal with. Right? And if you ain't, you're lying, okay? And we all got junk. We all show up in here every Sunday, and we try to act like we got it together because we don't want our neighbor to know that we ain't perfect. And I'll be the first one to tell you, I'm the pastor, and I'm not perfect. Now, you should amen that, and I don't have it together. I try. I try really hard to have it together. But there's some days where all four wheels fall off the bus. And it was unintentional, but it just happens. But I don't let that define who I am. I get back up and I'm following Jesus. All of us come in here and sometimes we think that we have to just go through this religious motion and we don't let God change us. And so we leave here with the same bondage that we came in here with. And that's what my heaviness is this morning. It's not for me. My heaviness is for y'all. My heaviness is that so, so many people come into God's house every Sunday and leave not set free but still in bondage. We, we come in here and we got handcuffs on and we, we, we want God to take them off, but our pride won't let us raise our hands and say, God, take them off. I, I, we, won't, we, won't, we, we walk around in shackles, but we won't come to the altar and say, God, take them off because we're worried about everybody else's things. And I just, I want to pray for us right now, but before we even get started, that God, will, you, you will let God do work in your heart. Because let me tell you something, if you came to hear me preach, you came for the wrong reason. We got to hear God and do what he says. That's what this is about. This ain't about no service. This ain't about coming hearing some good music or nothing. It's about coming and listening to God speak through a man and me listen and obey. Amen? So let's go to God in prayer. Father, we come to you right now, boldly before your throne, because, God, your word says that, Lord, for your children, we can come boldly before your throne. God, your word also says that we're two or three more gathered, there you will be also, and I know, Lord, that you're here. God, we, we, we have sang a song saying that you're welcome here, but, Lord, not just that song, but my, our hearts are in the posture of saying, God, we want you here. God, well, I pray today that you would help us, Lord, receive the word that you, that you want us to hear today, God. I pray, God, that we wouldn't just be just ears to hear, but it would be hearts to receive. God, allow us, Lord, to, 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 to 
just to get over ourselves today. Lord, I pray that you would slay our pride right now. I pray, God, that you would allow us, God, to, to be comfortable in you and knowing that this is not, not about me and my neighbor. It ain't about me and my wife. It's not about me and my friends. It's not about me and the elders of this church. This is about me and you. So, God, if you don't want to do, if, if nobody else wants you to do anything, then, God, Lord, please do it in me. Because, God, I want more of you. I want you to change me, God. I want to know you greater. I want to know you more. God, I want to be more holy. And I pray that will be every person in this room, their heart. And, God, if that's not our heart, then change our heart, Lord. But, God, today I want, this, I want all of us to be about you. So, God, I pray for those that come in here feeling rejected. I pray, God, that spirit of rejection, I, I, I command it to flee in the name of Jesus. Lord, those that come in here with, with, with anxiety, I pray, and fear. Lord, I pray against those things in the name of Jesus Christ. I pray, God, that you would allow us to understand your word and comprehend what you have to say to us. And, God, we love you today. And thank you for being a God that loves us enough to come and speak to us and desire to have a relationship with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Whoo, don't that feel better? Man. So, um, so we've been preaching through this series, um, Love Without Limits, or Limitless Love. I can't remember what I call the thing, but it's one or the other, right? And, and so, um, Love Without Limits, I think that's it. And, and, and we've been really focusing on the one... That, the two greatest commandments Jesus says, love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself, right? But, but you can't love your neighbor as yourself if you don't love God, right? That, that's what I've realized. Sabrina and I, we, we, we joke and, and laugh. Because we talk about, uh, I said, what, 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 do you, what do you need me to pray for you about? And it's always love people. People. You talking about me or you talking about people? She's like, you included in that, people. <laughs> and I think it's a struggle to love people, and it's hard to love people if you don't understand how much God loves you. And so we've been going through, and I was telling Mr. Nick and them today, like, I'm not a smart man. I just, like, say, God, what you want me to say? And I just open my mouth, okay? And so we've been going through this series, and it's like I, I thought it would be a little more in-depth, but God's been saying, look, you can't love me if, number one, we, we don't, you don't desire me. You can't love me if you don't obey me. You don't love me if you won't submit to me, right? And th those three words have been, been constant. So I'm like, all right, well, what's the word for the week? You know, what do you want me to say this week? And, and so last week he said, you can't love me if you're not committed. I'm like, okay, okay. And so I've been wrestling this whole week about, God, what, what, what are you talking about? A commitment, what are, you, what are you talking about? And I don't know about you, but, but God is good from the beginning to the end of this Bible. Y'all with me? And so the last chapter of the Bible, in verse 21, verse 9, it says, One of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of, of the seven plagues came to me and said, Come, and I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. At the end, he's like, Come, I want to show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And I'm like, Lord, what does that got to do with commitment? And he's like, One of the greatest commitments in the, in the, the humans can experience is the commitment of marriage. you got to be committed, right? Amen? That's, that's a commitment. Our society doesn't think so, but God does. And it's a, it's a true commitment. It's a, it's, it's a covenant between two people that I'm going to live with you, like it or lump it, death through his part. You know? It's, it's one of those things. And so I think as I was wrestling through that, the church is God's expression of his love for the world. 
And all through the Bible, he says the church is the bride. The church is the bride. Who's the church? We're the church, right? So I'm the bride. We're the bride of Christ. The church is. And so for me to be the bride of Christ, then say I was a girlfriend. Then say I was his mistress. He said I was the bride. And so if I'm the bride of Christ, that means I need to be committed to the groom. I got to be committed to, to Christ. And so that's something I think this, it is hard for us to fathom because we, we've grown up in this, in this almost secularized Christian culture where, where we, can, we can do anything we want to do because we claim Jesus. Well, let me tell you a little secret. If Sabrina went off and started seeing other men and claimed to be married to me, guess what? That wouldn't go over well at all. Because we're committed. We in this. And so I think that's what we have to understand is to love Jesus is not just to say you love Jesus. To love Jesus, to love God means that you're committed to him. It's not just this, hey, I'm going to come see you on Sunday, Bo. No, it's every single day. It's this, I'm committed to you. I want to be with you, right? Right? And it's, it's, I think it's something we don't understand. See, a marriage is a covenant between two people that we are committed to one another. Marriage is, is all about this commitment that you made with God. But when God gives, he sent Jesus to die for you, he, to give us salvation. When I receive that, that commitment of saying, God, I'm receiving this salvation and I'm committing to live my life for you. And that's very easy to say, right? Just like I love you is easy to say. But it's different than to show me. If my wife always told me she loved me, but she beat me when I got home. I wouldn't think that she loved me. She, she may sometimes, not all the time. If, if, if we, <laughs> she ain't that way, I'm sorry. I might be get beat now. Only Sunday night she beats me after I preach on Sundays, by the way. But I just think that's one of those things. And, and I, as I was wrestling through this, I got, what does it make sense? Well, if you go to Ephesians chapter 5, we'll go there to the end. But it talks about what, what husbands and wives should look like in the and he talks about him talking about how Christ in the church. And he says, Jeremy, Ephesians 5 is how I want the church to love me. But instead, the church loves me like the book of Hosea. And I'm like, okay, God, what are you trying to say? So you go to the book of Hosea, and I'm not, I'm not going to read the whole book, but it's the gist of it, okay? The Hosea chapter 1, verse 2 says, When the Lord began to speak through Hosea, The Lord said to him, go marry a, a promiscuous woman, a prostitute, and have children with her. For like an adulterous wife, this land is guilty of unfaithfulness to the Lord. So he married Gomer, daughter of whoever that is, and she conceived and bore him a son. Okay? And so as you go through this whole book of Hosea, what happens is you got this prophet of God that marries this prostitute, and he, he brings her into his home. He, he marries her. He tries to make her a good woman, and then she continues to leave him. She stays for a while. She gives him three children, and then she begins to, to desire other things, other men. And so she leaves. And she leaves, and what happens? God says, Hosea, go get your wife. So he has to go get her and bring her back. And she, she stays for a little while, and then he's like, Hosea, go get your wife. And so he goes and he gets her, and he brings her back. And it's the whole imagery of what it means to be for someone that says they're one thing, says they're sold out, but their life shows something else. 
The whole book of Isaiah really shows us he's talking about the people of Israel. He's trying, to, he's trying to tell the people of Israel, look, I love you so much and have went so far to redeem you, to bring you out of that bondage, but you are so full of you, you say you're my people, but you're, you're cheating on me. You're, you're going to other things. You keep going away from me. And how can you say that you're my people when you're not really sold out to me, when you're not really committed to me? And I don't know if you understand that or not, but if you read the Bible, all through the Bible, like, they're chastised because of their lack of commitment. God saves them. God saves them from, from, from pestilence, from disease, from, from, from Egypt, all these different things. And as soon as they've been saved, they want, after they forgot the, the feeling, y'all with me? After the honeymoon, after all that, all that was good, good to go, then after things got a little hard, it was like, you know what, I'm, forget you, God. So this is better. How many of us have done that to God? When, when the honeymoon phase is over, when, when, when you've been saved and you, man, that, you, you just dried off. You know what I'm saying? Like you just got done getting baptized. Your hair is still damp. You know what I'm saying? That's a good feeling. And you're like, y'all better wait. Y'all better hold up. I'm finna, do, I'm finna show y'all how to love God. And then you go to work on Tuesday. Come on. And you, you've got to actually say, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm going to stand where I said I was going to stand. I'm not going to go where it's, where it's easy. I'm not going to go where it's comfortable. I'm going to stand where God says stand because I love God. I don't love me. And church is hard, but we have to be those people because God says if we're not committed to him, then we're really not his people. And so as you read through the book of Hosea, there, there's three things, um, and I'm not going to read the book because I think God wants us to really focus more on on Ephesians, but as you read through, you, three things kind of come out. It, it, it shows about the, really Gomer, her idolatry. Like she desired other men. She didn't just desire her husband. And, and it's a picture of the Israelite people. Have they desired other things? They, they, they pursued other gods. They pursued other, other ways of, of happiness instead of being consecrated to God. How many of us are guilty of, of, of being that way? We're two-timing God with our possessions. We're two-timing God with, with the things he's blessed us with. Because we don't really love him. We love the things he gives us. Huh? Let the things he gives us dry up and see what happens. We're going to be mad. We're going we're gonna to blast God on Facebook. You know what I'm saying? We're going to blast him because he didn't give us what we wanted. And the reality is God never promised us an easy life. He said, if you love me and obey me, I will bless you. We think blessings are 10,000 square foot houses and Mercedes Benz. Let me tell you, you can live in a grass hut in the middle of Africa and be blessed more than a man living in a 10,000 square foot house because you got God with you. Amen? And you got to understand that. I don't know about you, but I mean, Paul, Paul says, I've learned to live with little and live with much, but I've, I've learned to be content in all things. Some of us wrestle with that contentment because the reason we wrestle with contentment is because these other things are what satisfies us instead of God. That's why, that's, why you, you, I, that's why there's so many women, so many men, just like Gomer. You're jumping from husband to husband or man to man or woman to woman because you're looking for security and looking for fulfillment in people. And everything's good and bliss, but let them do something wrong and then you're off to the next one. That's just how it goes. And so we, we're hung up on idolatry. We think idolatry can be people, but idolatry also can be emotions. We're looking for someone to fulfill our emotional needs instead of God. 
And if you're not careful, your emotions will be your God because you're fighting for contentment. You're fighting for how many people? Oh, my Lord. How many people say, I just don't want to do this because I'm not going to be comfortable? Huh? Our comfort is our God because if God's telling me to step out of my comfort and I say, no, God, I want to stay here, then he's not my God. My comfort is. Right? I know this is somewhat hard, but that's the reality. And God's saying, if you love me, you will be committed to me. You think about also, like, the other word that I got, well, she was, she wasn't great, she, she was ungrateful. Like, here this man going to come and take her into his house, bring her off the street. You know, like, hey, girl, put your boobs up. You don't need them no more. Come on. Come on in the house. Y'all with me? Come on. We're we going to come in the house. I'm going to make you a respectable woman. I'm going to love you like you desire to be loved. He brings her in. He gives her everything that she would ever want. And he's trying to love her as a, as a godly man. And then when that gets, that's good for a little while. But when that gets old, she goes back. How many of us are ungrateful for God? We get, we, we get our, we, we, we're excited about salvation. We're excited about what God's done. And, and, but then when things get hard, we get mad. When things get, get difficult, we turn on God because we think he turned on us. But the reality is he never left. We just got mad and left him. See, we get ungrateful. And how, how messed up is that, to be ungrateful to God? But God, look, you, you sent Jesus to die on the cross, and I appreciate that. But I am mad at you because I didn't get that car. I, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful, God, that, that, you, that, you, that Jesus bled every drop of blood out for me. Thank you so much, but I am upset with you because my wife won't fulfill all my needs. I am so thankful to God. I'm so thankful that Jesus rode in on Palm Sunday with everybody, everybody just praising him and them killing him three days later. I'm so thankful for that, but yet I'm really mad that I'm having trouble right now at work. And because I'm mad with you, because you're, you won't do what I want you to do in this moment, I'm, I'm not going to talk to you. I'm not going to pay you attention. I'm going to walk away from you. How crazy is that? How many of us do that, though? God, I'm so thankful for this new job. I'm so thankful for this new job that I ain't going to come back and talk to you until I'm in bad shape again. Huh? How many of y'all praise for a raise and God, you get a raise and then you don't even tithe on it? <laughs> I'm just saying. You, you, you pray for, you pray, God, God, give me, give me another job. Give me another job. Give me, I, I, can't, I can't be here with these people, God. Give me another job. So he gives you another job. And then you find something wrong with them people. Come on. Some of us got to wake up and say, maybe it ain't those people. You know, maybe, 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 maybe it's me. And then the last thing that in the book of Hosea, what I realized is the hypocrisy that it, brought, that it shows to the people of Israel. Because they said that they were God's people, but they lived differently than God's people. Even Gomer. Gomer said, I'm Hosea's wife. But then she was out sleeping with another man. I'm, I'm, I'm Hosea's wife. Not just once, but several times she went out. How many times do we, as God's people, are we're, we're, we're a bunch of hypocrites? Because we say we love Christ, say we love God, but our lifestyle out from here is totally different. And I know this. I know, listen, I know you start hearing hypocrite, and you're like, well, here he goes. He's fitting to beat us today, talk about hypocrites. Because we in the church, man, we, we, we hate people talking about hypocrites. 
I know people are like, I ain't going to church because it's full of hypocrites. And I'm like, look, you go to Walmart and it's full of hypocrites too. But you still go to Walmart. You know what I'm saying? But people don't like hypocrites, and we don't like to be called hypocrites. But the thing is, is does our lifestyle look hypocritical to other people? It don't matter what I call you. It just matters what he sees. Right? And so if, if anything we live is different than the way God commanded us, and he commanded us to love him and be, be, be committed to him, we're not going to get it perfect. We're, gonna, we're jacked up people, right? We're going to mess up. But some of y'all live in that. Y'all with me? Oh, you know, I'm never going to live right. I know you're not, but don't, don't live wrong intentionally. I mean, I remember being in the store. Well, I'll tell you what kind of filthy sinner I was. A preacher that I didn't know was a preacher at the time was standing at what used to be Tier BP, which is now Neighbors, and I was, he was standing there talking to a woman. Last time I saw the man, he was drinking with me. But he was saved, and now he's preaching the Word. And I walk up there with, with two 30-packs in my hand, and I'm like, What's going on, man? He was like, what you doing with him? I said, you know what I'm going to do with these. We're finna go. We're finna drink these babies up. What you talking about? What am I going to do with them? He said, you don't, you, don't, you don't need that. What you mean I don't need that? You don't need that. I said, bro, you don't know the week I had. He said, been that bad? You need two 30-packs? I was like, yeah, it's been bad. It's been bad. Well, Hold on, hold on. Don't you go to church? Like, yeah, I go to church. What's that got to do with me drinking? Well, it ain't got nothing to do with you drinking, but drinking excessively. Like, man, you, what you doing with that? Man, I, I know all that Jesus stuff, and I'm good. I'm good. He was like, okay, but you ain't good. And I'm putting my beer up there, and I'm like, give me, get him, get out of here. And I pay for it, and I leave. Well, I drank the first 30 pack. That was Saturday. That was Friday night. But the other 30-pack, I just couldn't drink it because I kept thinking and hearing about what he, was, what he said. And it, that, that one seed that was planted, like, what, what, what's he talking about? What's, what's, he, what's he talking about? Because the last thing he said was, Jeremy, make sure the life that you say you're living is what you're living. And I'm, and I'm like, I am. And I'm walking out there with two cases of beer. How jaded are we? And that looks, I mean, all of us were like, yeah, God, I'm living for you. But you all fussing with somebody that you ain't got no business fussing with. You mad, you've been mad at somebody for, like, for 30 years, but you living the way God said live. Just because your sin ain't exposed for everybody to see don't mean that you ain't jacked up. You still mad at your husband for something he did 30 years ago. Some of y'all should have said, preach. I'm just playing. You're still upset about something. You're holding on to things. Some of you struggle with sexual stuff. Some of you struggle with, with lust. And you, you, nobody knows it but you because in your mind. But you won't, you, you, you've been struggling with it for so long, but you won't confess it to no one or to God and allow him to deal with it in your heart. I know a lot of men that have struggled with pornography for, for Men that I've blown away that they struggle with pornography. But when we sat down and talked about it, like finally to talk about it, and let's walk through this together, the deliverance that they had. And one of the things one, one of the guys told me, he's like, man, I felt like every week I was living a double life. I was saying I was right, but inside I was dead. Hypocrisy will kill you from the inside out because you're fake. 
And if, if, you allow to be, if, you're, if you allow yourself to be hypocritical in one area, it's like a wildfire. It will bleed into other things. Because what, what, what hypocrisy is, is it justifies your sin. And you justify it. Like, you know, I'm, that's what I did. I mean, what you mean? I'm, I mean, did, I'm partying with my deacons, man. What you talking about? They good. I, 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 what you talking about? My best friends are the best church. We all go to church. <laughs> oh, my God. We, we're partying on Friday night, and we all on church on Sunday. We good, right? Yeah, I'm walking in like them trolls. Like, I am hungover going in, but I'm there. I'm there. No, I'm not there. I'm trying to check a religious box. My heart is, is being hypocritical. I don't love God. I'm not committed to God. I'm still committed to me. And I'm committed to my sin. And he says, if you love me with all your heart, soul, and mind, then you will be committed to me. It's easy to let sin go when you're committed to a holy God. It's hard to let sin go when you're committed to your sinful self. And God's saying, if you love me, you will obey me. And I want you to understand that the reason that, it's so, that this is one of those things is, is like in Hebrew culture, the, the, the bride and the bridegroom is so, so powerful because what would happen was when a a man saw a woman and he wanted to marry her. He would go and he would give their family a bride price. Like he would say, look, I want you to hold her for me. He put her on layaway. <laughs> I you like that going to your daddy? like, hey, I'll give you 50 bucks. Just hold on. I'll be right back. But <laughs> your daddy would have been like, give me 100 in a deal. But Anyway, it's like that price that would have to be paid, it's an expression of the intent, right? He's like saying, look, I'm coming back for you. I'm paying this price, and I want to marry you. I see you as something unique and something special. I want to give my life with you, so I'm going to give your family so that no one else takes you because I see you this precious. That's what that means. I would give $10,000, not fifty. But it's just one of those things. And so the, bride, the, the, the groom would give this to the parents and be like, here, I want you to, I, I want to come back. I, my intention is to marry her. And he would go and get things ready. He would go prepare a house. He would get everything ready. And the, the only job that the bride had to do was she had to be ready when he came back. See, Jesus came and paid a price for us. On Calvary, when he died on the cross to save us of our sins, those of us that want to live and follow Jesus, those of us that see what he did for us so wonderful, he's like, look, if you want to be my bride, then look, I paid the price for you. All you got to do is rest in me, follow me, and wait on me till I come back. If you, if you go, back into, if you go into, in, in, back into the book and you start reading in Matthew about the, 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 uh, the virgins, and there were so many of them that were... The bridegroom was coming back and coming back to get them. And as he was coming back to get them, there was three that was ready and three that wasn't. Three that let their lamps burn out and three that kept their oil. They were being intentional with filling themselves back up. They were being intentional with being ready because they didn't want the bridegroom to come by and then be asleep. There's so many people in the church today that we've been caught up in life that we, we just lost the ability to keep pouring the oil back in so that the light stays gone, that we stay fired up for Jesus, we stay focused on Christ, and the light's burned out for us because life has sucked the life out of us. And when he comes back, he's going to find us asleep. And we're going to find ourselves not where we thought we were going to be. There's going to be a lot of people, the first thing they're going to say is, Oh, Lord Jesus, how did I get here? 
But the ones that were awake, the ones that kept the oil burning in their lamps, the ones that the light was still on all the time, when, when he came, he, he, he got them and took them with him. It takes commitment to follow Jesus. You can't be a follower of Christ if you're not committed to him. These people, that, that they, they, they fall in and out of love with God. They don't know God. It's either you in or you out. Now, there's no doubt. Marriage, takes, marriage is hard. That's why I think God used it as that, because marriage is hard. It's hard to love somebody some days. It's hard to, to get over some offenses some days. But it's only through Jesus. See, life is hard. The only way to get through life is through Jesus. Amen? If I'm, if I'm committed to Christ, that means when, when hard stuff comes in my life, I don't just quit on God. I lean into God, and I say, you're the one that can deliver me from this. Some of the hardest times of Sabrina and I's marriages are marriages that when we... When times got hard, we didn't quit on each other. When we sat there in the living room floor and cried, thinking we were going to get divorced, I looked at her and I said, I'm not getting a divorce. I love you. We're not doing this. We're going to fight together. See, it's the same thing with God. We had to quit quitting on God and start saying, God, we end this together, and I'm not quitting on you because you've seen me worthy enough to die for, and you're worthy enough for me to die for. I'll give you my life. I'm going to be committed. We got to understand that. Ephesians 5 says this. Ephesians 5, verse 22 says, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit. I want you to, don't you, when I'm reading this, don't think about wives and husbands in the physical sense. Think of the bride of Christ. Think of, when he says wives, think of the church, think of you. When you say the husband, think of Jesus. So I'll read it in that way. Church, church member, start calling some names, huh? Submit yourselves to God as you do to the Lord. For God is the head of the church, his body in which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, also Wives should submit to their own husbands in everything. We should submit. As church, you individually should submit to Jesus in everything. Commitment. Submitting to God in everything. Not just in the things that are easy. Man, it's easy to commit things to God when, when, all the, man, when everybody's mouth is full, the groceries is good, and the bank account is high. But it's hard to commit to God. That's what shows our faith in God. When the babies are screaming... There's holes in your socks. Come on. And there's 42 cents in the bank account. That's when you got to claim faith and say, God, I know that you're with me. And you got to, you got to hang on to him. Some of us leave God, but God, that's what faith is. Faith is believing when you can't see, right? But commitment, that's what commitment is all about. I'm going to commit. Look, I'm not going to quit on you, God. Submission. Verse 25 says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and he gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her through the washing with water through the word. And to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any blemish, but holy and blameless. He's saying, look, if we as the body would submit ourselves to Christ, then he would transform us. Oh, man, what y'all talking about? Y'all ain't happy about that. How many of you have been working to be changed? 
Y'all been working hard. You've been trying to, you've been trying God to change you. You've been trying to stop smoking or stop dipping or stop cussing. Or stop lusting or stop looking at pornography. You've been trying to do all these things and you find yourself back into it and you get you feel defeated you feel like you feel hopeless there's no way out of that what it, what he's saying is look if we're committed to christ if i'm committed to him then guess what he's going to do he's going to make me holy he's going to cleanse me how's he going to do that through his word it's right there god cleanses us through his word his word is living right his word is active so how can we expect god to not change me how can we expect god to change me if i'm not in his word I, I, I know I spend time with people and we do counseling, and the first question I ask, when they start telling me all their issues, I'm like, how's your relationship with God look like? And nine times out of ten, it's, well, it ain't where it needs to be. Code word for, I, I, ain't, I ain't seen him in forever. I ain't talked to him in forever. If he is, if that commitment to, to God is like that of my wife, then guess what? When bad stuff happens, when somebody asks me, how's your relationship with God? I'm like, man, I was talking to him walking in here. Because I know I can't even walk without him holding my hand. Y'all with me? He says, committing to it. One of the biggest problems we have in the church is that the people aren't being transformed. See, if you know Jesus and God and you know God, he will transform you. But if you're not being transformed, if you're not growing into Christ's likeness, then the problem isn't Jesus because the power and Jesus is phenomenal. He will change you like this, but you have to put yourself in a posture to let him get changed. I said, my little boy, we, we went to Athens Friday. We was riding, and I had his little iPad. He was like, Daddy, I want my iPad. I want my iPad. I was like, all right. And I gave it to him, and he threw it back up there at me. I was like, what's wrong? He said, it don't work. I was like, uh-oh. Looked at it. There's no power. There's no power in it. To plug it in. Some of us are frustrated with God because we are still in the same circumstances that we were a year ago. The problem ain't God because we're not plugged into Him. And I know it frustrates some of us when you come for guidance, you come for help, and somebody says, Well, you just need to pray more. I know. Somebody told me that one time, I wanted to slap them. But it wasn't that I wasn't praying, it was the heart in which I was praying. I was praying to get something out of God, not to love God. When you pray to love God, when you're praying, God, help me love you. God, this is hard. I don't know how to get out of this, but this is holding me back from knowing you greater. He does things. But when you come at him like, hey, Lord, this is Jimmy. Give me some more. He's going to pay you any attention because you're in it for the wrong reasons. Your heart is for selfish gain, not for him. You know, we've got to understand that this true commitment is going to make us holy, him to cleanse us by his word, becoming one with Christ, like we're leaving behind the old and stepping into the new. See, for, in order for me to be committed to my wife, I had to step away from the old Jeremy and step into this new thing. I had to step away from hunting all the time into spending my weekends with my wife, which is a big adjustment, Right? Some of us have to step away from our old lifestyle of selfishness, of, of who I am, of, of all this. Some, some, some of y'all need to step away from your friends and into, into some godly friendships. Some of us, need, we need to step out of this old and into some new. And, and that's the only, you, know, you won't take that step if you're not committed to God because 
I know. When I first got saved, I couldn't. I can't leave my boys. They've been with me. I can't leave them. They've been with me since middle school. I can't leave my boys. But but my boys was bringing me back down. And I realized that in order for me to live with Jesus, I had to walk away from what was holding me down. And so what happened is I cut the ties. I didn't cut the friendships. I just cut the ties. We didn't hang out all the time. I started hanging out with Jesus and people that love Jesus. And I started growing closer to Jesus. And you know what I found? The more I love Jesus, the more I love them. Because I really didn't love them to begin with. I just loved what I got from them. I loved the lifestyle. I loved the, the... the jokes we told, I loved all that stuff. I didn't love them. Church, I'm telling you, we continue to read through this. It says, in the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they fed it and cared for their body, just as Christ does for the church, for we are members of his body. Verse 31, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united with his wife, and two will become flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. See, for us to be really sold out to Jesus, I got to be united with Christ. When you're united, what is that? The two becoming one. It's no longer me and Jesus on the side. Right? It's no longer me and my girlfriend, Jesus. Y'all with me? It's me and Jesus. We're together. When you go to my house, it says Jeremy and Sabrina, not Jeremy or. We both live in the house. The question is, does Jesus live in yours? See, commitment means that he is not just a part of my life. He is my life. He is everything. That's when God, for him to be your life, when he puts his hand on things in your life, he puts hand on sins in your life, you don't say, uh-uh, God. If he is your life, then you say, yes, sir, you submit to him. I don't care how hard it is, I don't care how comfortable it is, because you love God and you want that. Now, look, I know we all struggle with this, and we're not going to be perfect in it, but it's striving after God, Right? There is no way. I feel like the most horrible husband in the world most of the time. I, I'm not getting it right. I'm not getting, I tell her all the time, but like, well, look, at least I'm better than so-and-so over there. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you could have been married to him. But that's what we do. We, com- we, we, we sit there and we, we compare ourselves to other Christians to make ourselves feel better. But the reality is, I don't, it don't matter how good of a Christian Rick is. It don't matter. Because all that matters is in heaven if God knows that I love him that much, if God knows that I care about him, if God knows that I'm submitted to him, if God knows that I'm committed by him, it don't matter. Rick can have me fooled my whole entire existence and die and, Lord forbid, go to hell. I hate that. I'm not, I'm not casting any, I'm not putting anything on you. I'm just saying. Like, like, but, and me the whole time comparing myself to him. Look, don't compare yourself to me. Compare yourself to Jesus. Don't compare us to each other. But see, I, I know that I'm not the perfect husband. But you know what I do? I get up every day and I try my best to be the best husband. That if I die tomorrow, there will never be another man that will love my wife as much as I love her. Guess what? I screw up on that about six days a week. But it don't mean I'm not getting up trying. And when I fail her, you know, the first thing I say is, baby, I'm sorry. I should have done this, but I didn't. Guys, we got to get some humility 
and come before a holy Savior and say, Lord, I apologize that I'm not committed as I said I am. We need to come before a holy Savior and say, God, am I committed to you? Am I sold out for you? Because that's all that matters in the end. That's all that matters in the end. See, the end, the end looks like this. And we're going to close. The end is so beautiful. The glory and honor of nations will be brought into it. Talking about bringing it into heaven. Nothing impure will enter into it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful. But those whose names are in the, written in the Lamb's book of life, praise God. Then the angel showed me a river of water, the water of life, as clear as, as, clear as crystals flowing from the throne of God down from the Lamb, down to the middle of this great street of the city. One on each, I'm sorry, on each side of the river stood the tree of life bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And its leaves and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and the Lamb will be in the city and his servants will serve him. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or a light of the sun. For the light of God, the Lord God, will give them light. And they will reign forever and ever. To the angel, then the angel said to me, These are the words, trustworthy and true. The Lord, the God who inspires the prophets, sent an angel to show his servants the things that must take place. Look, I'm coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophets written in this scroll. Man, how do I, I, I long to be in the presence of God where there's no night, where there's no darkness, where there's no discouragement, where there's no fake people, where there's, where there's no deceit, where there's no lies, where there's only love, where there's only the true light of the Father that sent His own Son to die to pay the penalty of our sins so that we can have this glorious relationship with Him. But it's all through commitment. Do you love God like Ephesians 5? That submissive love. That love that is thankful for the penalty, for the price that God paid for you. That, that love that's like, I want to be in His presence because He's going to change me. Do you have that love of where God's, the Holy Spirit, where God is, is making you holy, where He's transforming you? Or, or would, you, would you really think that your walk with God has been more like that of Gomer? That you've, been, you've kind of been promiscuous? That, that you've been kind of just being a prostitute? That you've been going to any and everything that will give you fulfillment instead of going to God? You've been wavering and wandering around trying to get fulfillment here and there and you feel good for a little bit but you come back empty. That's not somebody that's committed to God. And to love the Lord with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength is to be committed to God. And here's kind of where the rubber meets the road. As most of us lie to ourselves and say, yes, I'm committed. 
because I came to church today. Is God changing your life? Church, is he? Is he changing your life? If you only think that he changed your life by this one act, by, by, I said a prayer one time and I was baptized, that's great. But what happened next is more important than that. Salvation is not just one thing. It's what happens after salvation because that's what shows true salvation. And we got too many people that are prostitutes in the church. We're, 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 we're saying we're living for God, but yet we're not. We leave God just as soon as things get hard. And he wants true worshipers that worship in his spirit and in truth, church. If you want to see, man, if you want to see what I just read in Revelation chapter 22, if you want to see the goodness of God, it's not this person that shows up and goes through the motion. It's somebody that loves Jesus. It's somebody that's willing to get over themselves and their sin. And I want God to change me. My lifestyle might be, I might live this way my whole entire life, but I want God to change me. I want God to, re, to redeem me and take me out of this lifestyle. My marriage might be toxic. It might be horrible. But God can redeem my marriage if I will submit to him. That's what I found, church. The problem isn't everyone around you. Nine times out of ten, the problem is you. You won't submit. You won't commit. And God's calling you today to commit to him. And some of, time, some of y'all really commit in your life for the first time. So today, if you've never really committed your life to Jesus, where you can say, look, I, have, I am all in. If you can say that you've never been all in, never really love God and you've never really been saved because even things even though life's been hard in marriage I've never had one foot out one foot in even though one day some days I had one foot fit to go out I never could because of that love pulled me back in once you've been truly saved and filled with the Holy Spirit you can't leave God can't. So if you don't know Jesus, if, you don't, if you've never really committed your life to Jesus, if you've never really submitted to him, then I just want to challenge you today to raise your hand and say, I want to know him that way. I want to surrender my life to him today so that we can pray and we can lead you to Jesus. Anybody? Anybody say, today's the day. I want to give my life to Christ. Anybody? All right. Well, that just leaves all those church mice then, right? That just leaves us that we're saying we love Jesus. So let me ask you, are you hypocritical? Are you ungrateful? What does God need to prune out of your life? What does he need to take out of your life? What does he need to change? That's the thing. I want to love him with every bit of me, not just this little piece. And he didn't come for a half-hearted bride. He came for a bride that was anticipating excited, ready for him to return. Are you ready for Jesus? Do you want him to come today? And what do you need to give him if you're not? Let's be God's people today. Let's surrender. Amen? Y'all stand with me. If God's moving in your heart, then y'all meet me at his altar because he sure is moving in mine. If you need prayer, find somebody with a blue shirt. They'd love to pray with you. If you wasn't brave enough to raise your hand for salvation, that's fine. Find somebody today and let's talk about it. Let's pray. Father, we come to you right now, God, as we close out this service.
Lord, I thank you, Lord. God, I thank you, God, for being a, a Lord that God that answers prayers. And, and I thank you, Lord, for just what you're doing in the hearts of everyone in this room. God, I know that, that Lord, our hearts are prone to wonder. I know, God, that we struggle with things. All of us in this room struggle with things. I just pray that you give us the boldness to call it what it is today. Lord, if we've got things in our life, if it's if it's family, if it's if it's sports, if it's whatever it is, if there's idols in our life that that rob us from you, then God, I pray that you would give us the boldness to step into it and say, God, this is it. Take it from me. Lord, if the God is me, if, if I'm worried about me and what people think of me, and I pray, God, that you would show us that. Lord, I pray that if there's anyone here that's looking for fulfillment other than in you today, God, I pray that you would show them that today. Because the only thing that matters today, God, is you. God, the only thing that matters when we leave this place isn't about a message or about music. God, it's about our life with you, God. Father, I pray that if anyone in this room could have a hint, a hint, Lord, of an adulterous heart, God, change it this morning. God, if our hearts are wandering to other things, God, change it this morning. God, we ask you to do the work only you can do in our hearts and change this, God. God, change us. We beg you to change us, Lord, so we can look more like you. So the world around us would see you in us, and they would marvel, and they'd be like, Lord, I want what you have. God, help us be vigilant with with just dealing with stuff in our lives that doesn't please you. God, change us today, Lord. We ask you, we beg you, in Jesus' name we pray.